John twenty eleven to 22. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for this time of worship, this time of fellowship, and this time of remembering what you did for us, your sacrifice as well as conquering sin and death. I pray this morning that we would open our hearts and soften our hearts to hear your truth, to understand you better, and to walk in freedom, to walk in the truth that you are giving to us. So Jesus, we just thank you for this morning and pray that your spirit would be present here with us. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. morning everyone can you hear me okay in the uh the picnic tables through the tent walls okay we can take those down if we need to but um everyone hear me in the back okay there it goes all right i want to focus our attention this morning on the words of christ and at the end of the passage that he read this morning he said the phrase peace be with you and i want to ask you this morning is it is that true of your life is there peace in your life one way to understand peace and, and to frame our talk this morning is to define peace this way. I, I, we have it here on the TV. Let's define peace this way. Peace is the confident trust in God's wise control over your life. I know that just coming to church on Easter Sunday can be difficult, and it's especially difficult maybe if you have children or if you've driven a, a distance. And so the idea to focus our attention this morning for a few moments on God's peace in our life will be valuable. So we'll spend a few moments this morning looking at that passage and trying to better understand God's peace in our life. The Bible has another word for the opposite of peace, and that word is anxiety. And the Greek word means broken into pieces, that your life is not focused on clear priorities, a clear trust in God's will, but that your life is focused on multiple things. And when your life is focused on 
multiple things, when you're trying to accomplish 30 things between right now and dinner that you have with your family, that creates anxiety. It creates worry. And when we expand that into our lives, there are so many things that create anxiety in our lives. So many things that steal peace from our lives. And so this morning, what we're hoping to learn and grow in is that the gift of Easter is that there is peace. That you can have peace in your life. That you can have real peace. Not the kind of peace that's temporary. Not the kind of peace that maybe you long for after a challenging day or week and, and we look for certain things to give us peace. But the resurrection confirms that Jesus Christ is living and he wants to offer you true peace in your life. And that is that you can live your life with a confident trust that God is in control. And so we will see that this morning, not necessarily because I'm teaching you something new. As Scott mentioned this morning, the resurrection story is something we've heard before. Most likely you will not hear something new this morning. But we know that to be true in other areas of our life. That what we need is not something new, some new little piece of knowledge that will change our life. It's learning to live out what we already know. For example, if somebody says something that's hurtful or spiteful towards you, we know that the correct response is not to lash out in anger and continue this battle that happens. But we do that. We know that exercise is good. We know that eating well is good and healthy for us. But we don't always do the things we know. We know that being a peacemaker is a good thing. But we aren't always peacemakers. And so the goal this morning is not to teach you something new. It's to help show you from God's Word that there is a true, deep, abiding peace that is available to you because Jesus Christ lives today. We will look at peace in three different ways this morning. We will look at the eternal peace that is found in this passage. We will look at peace that has a purpose. And then we will look at a peace that is available for you today, right now at this moment. So let's begin with eternal peace. And let's pick up the story. This is a, a familiar story if you've been... Um, familiar with the Bible a little bit. Let's begin in chapter 20, verse 11 that we've already read this morning. And the verse says this, chapter 11, verse, excuse me, chapter 20, verse 11 says, but Mary stood outside weeping at the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Now let's pause here for just a moment, and we won't turn in our Bible, but let's just pause for just a moment and think back in the Bible about another place where this appears. You have to picture what's happening here. There's a tomb, and Mary is there, and she peeks her head in the tomb, and she sees an angel sitting at where the head of Christ was, and another angel at where the feet of Christ was. This reminds us of the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus is a story about God rescuing his people. 
And during that time of the rescue, the people are leaving, leaving Egypt and on their way to the promised land. And during those 40 years, the people are living in tents. Along the way, God speaks to Moses and says, I will dwell amongst my people and I will have a tent for myself. And the tent is called the tabernacle. And maybe you've heard of the Ark of the Covenant. Well, on the Ark of the Covenant was a top piece. The Ark of the Covenant was a box-shaped box. And on the top of it was um, what was called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat fit perfectly on top of this box. It was plated in gold. And on top of the mercy seat, it's also called the cover of the atonement, on top of this cover were two angels, one on each side. And the angels are directing their attention to the center of this mercy seat. And once a year, the high priest would come into this tent, the tabernacle, And he would come into the centerpiece, the Holy of Holies. And once a year, he would come in with the blood of an animal, and he would sprinkle blood on the top of the mercy seat. And the blood represented the sins of the people. The whole nation of Israel, their sins were transferred to this blood, the blood of an animal, whose blood represented a sacrifice, an atonement for the sin of people. Maybe a visual picture will help you understand what's happening here. And I think we have a picture. This is a picture of the Ark of a Covenant. And once a year, the high priest would go in and would sprinkle the blood to atone for sin. This is a picture of God reconciling a holy God with sinful people that there must be some way of atoning. Thank you for that, Russell. There must be some way of fixing this divide. There must be some sacrifice. There must be some payment made. And sometimes we think, well, well why? Like, why, why does there have to be a payment? Why, does, why can't God just say, you know what? Human, human sin, let's just ignore and pretend it doesn't exist. Why does, why does a payment have to be made? Well, imagine this for a moment. Imagine you lent me your car, and I borrow your car, and and I'm driving it this afternoon, and I run it into a tree, and I bring it back to you on a tow truck, and I say, I'm sorry. I crashed your car, and it no longer works. The options are this. You no longer have a car that works, so now you have to walk everywhere. Or you say to me, hey, you borrowed my car. Please pay for it. Please atone for your sin. Or you can say, Brian, I think you're a really nice guy. I'll pay for it and fix it myself. Then you atone for it. But somebody's going to lose. You're going to either have a car that doesn't work, or you're going to pay money to get it fixed, or I'm going to pay. Somebody has to reconcile the problem. Let's go back to the story of the Gospel of John and Mary. And this is a picture of the ultimate and final work of Christ. What we have here, and we see this in the previous verses, we have the blood-stained cloth of Jesus Christ where two angels are there 
one at the head and one at the foot. And this is a picture of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. There has to be an atoning work. And so the gift of peace, the gift of eternal peace is received and accepted through faith alone in Christ. And so the question this morning for you is, do you have eternal peace? Do you know in your heart, in your life, that there is a gift available to you this morning? It's called eternal peace. One of the things we do not like talking about in our culture today, we do not like talking about death. We do not like talking about the reality of that. We like talking about health and beauty and fitness and being active and all of the fun things we all enjoy doing. But what we know deep inside of our hearts that the moment we are born and you take your first breath, there will be a time in the future for all of us where you will have your final breath. And the gospel of grace is that you can have eternal peace, that you can have eternal life because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And that is what's happening here with these angels looking at the blood-stained cloth of Christ who gave his life so that you can have eternal peace. Number two, the second type of peace we see here is a peace with a purpose. Look with me in verse 17. And it says this, Jesus speaking to Mary. Jesus says this in verse 17, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but, I go, to my bro- but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Now what's happening here, and this is so interesting, Mary has this personal interaction with the living God, with Jesus Christ, and she is weeping. It says uh, multiple times in the passage that Mary is brokenhearted. And the word weep here is used two times in this passage, and it has the meaning of a deep internal wailing, that she is sorrowful, that she is brokenhearted. But this eternal peace transforms her life, and it gives her a purpose. It's important for us to know this morning that we all have something in common with Mary, and that is that all of us here this morning have moments where sorrow fills our life. And sometimes we refer to those as secret sorrows because we don't feel comfortable even verbalizing them. And what happens to Mary's life is she is transformed because of this interaction with Jesus and her life is changed. Now one of the most interesting things about Mary is that while we don't know a lot about her, we do know a few things about her. And we find this out in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 says that Mary was, a small, was part of a small group of women that traveled around with Jesus and were healed by Jesus. And Luke chapter 8 says that she was actually filled with seven demons. And so here's what is so interesting about this idea of peace with a purpose is that all of the big shots, all right, here's, here's the big shots. The big shots are the 12 apostles. These are the hand-picked men by Jesus that are the leaders of this new movement. Within those 12, 
We even have bigger shots. We have the captain of the captains. And these are Peter, James, and John. And they are nowhere to be found. And so the question that we, or the observation we make here is, who does Jesus first go to to be, her, to be his ambassador of peace? It's the ultimate outsider. This is so, this is so foundational for understanding what true Christianity is. That Jesus' first ambassador was a woman, an outsider woman. A, and here's the words we use today, a mentally unstable woman. Historic, her background is this, historic pattern of mental unhealth. In fact, ancient traditions, medieval traditions, refer to her as the prostitute in Luke chapter 7. That's the woman who falls at the feet of Jesus, crying and using her tears and her hair to clean the feet of Christ. We don't know for sure if it's true or not, but tradition says that it is, that she was a prostitute, a mentally unstable woman, filled with anxiety, instability. She is the ultimate outsider, and that is the woman that Jesus uses. He bypasses the big shots, he bypasses the men. He bypasses the handsome, well-spoken people, the people that are charming and have humor and do well, life of the party. Jesus says, no, I'm going to begin with this woman whom I deeply love. And he says to her, Mary, I have a mission for you. I have a purpose for you. And what does Mary do? Mary clings to Jesus. Her life is changed. She goes from weeping and sorrowful because her Lord and Savior has died, and now she is rejoicing and clinging on to him because she knows that he has risen. And Jesus says to her, Mary, don't cling on to me. I'm giving you a purpose. You have a purpose in your life. And that is to go to your brothers. Go to the 12 apostles, the guys who abandoned me, the guys who left, the guys who were not at the foot of the cross like Mary was when I'm dying, go to those guys and tell them that I am alive. Go to them and be a peacemaker. Do you understand what happens to your life when you understand that you have eternal peace, that you can live forever in the presence of God by faith? That transforms who you are. And now you become a person who pursues peace pursues peace. Now you become a person who is a peacemaker. That you are used by God to bring healing in this world. That someone shows spite to you, you return in peace. Mary is an example of a person who has peace with a purpose. The last thing we see in this passage about peace that peace is meant to be a part of our everyday life. The story goes on, chapter 20, verse 19, when Jesus appears to his disciples. It says this, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fears of the Jews or the religious leaders. This is just great. This is how life works. The big shots are hiding behind the locked doors. These are, by the way, 
two of these guys, and they've got great names, but two of them have the nickname of, of Sons of Thunder. That's a pretty manly name, Sons of Thunder. And you've got Jesus saying, you know what? I'm not going to those guys first. I'm going to Mary. But Jesus doesn't give up on the big shots either. He goes to Mary first, and then he goes to the big shots who aren't quite as tough as they think they are. And here's what Jesus says, verse 3. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Jesus is making this experience personal. He's showing himself. He's showing the wounds. If you recall in, in the beginning part of the sermon, I said to you, that it is the shed blood of Christ that atones for the sins of the world. And Jesus is showing his disciples that those wounds were real. And then he continues and says this, Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. How do we, how do we activate peace in our lives today? How do we avoid Easter becoming something that we just look back towards or we look forward to into eternity? How do we activate Easter in our lives today? Well, Jesus gives us the clue by saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And the passage is teaching us this morning for all of us to live with peace, for you to put your trust and confidence in life that God is in control of your life, you must receive the Holy Spirit. That is why Jesus says that he's going to go away. It is better that he goes away and the Holy Spirit comes in order for us to live out this Christian life. In fact, the Apostle Paul says something several years later in reference to this. This is um, Romans chapter 8. He says this about the Holy Spirit and the resurrection. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to you, to your mortal bodies, by this same Spirit living within you. That is how you live in peace today. By walking by the Spirit by knowing that the Spirit of God lives within you. A few verses earlier in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Well, how do we, how do we walk by the Spirit? Well, there's two insights that, we can, that I can share with you to help you understand what does it mean to walk by the Spirit. Number one is this, is you must reject yourself. You must reject the ways you want to go. We all have a way of of wanting to do life. We must be aware that there is a way that seems right to us. There's a way that we think we know better than God. That we know this is how I need to do life. And the Apostle Paul says that we reject the flesh. We, were, we reject that way that we think is best. And then he says something else. He says, Seek the things that are above. Set your eyes on Christ. So here's how this works out in life. 
Life will always take turns, will always bring corners or hard things in life. We all make plans for life. We all have hopes and dreams for life. And life goes sideways sometimes. Often life goes sideways. Life brings things that aren't expected. Hard things in life. Hurtful things of life. And our response that we must reject is this. I know how to handle this. I'm taking control of this situation. I know how to resolve this. That will never lead to peace. That will, leave your, that will lead your mind going to different directions. As I said, the Greek word that means a divided mind. When life brings you something hard and challenging that's unexpected, and the first response is for you to take control, it will only lead towards more anxiety. And the Spirit of God within you says there's a better way. Walk with me. Trust me. Set your eyes on Christ. The role of the Spirit is to always point you to Jesus Christ. So Easter is a celebration because we have eternal life. We have eternal peace. And I invite you this morning to live with that assurance, knowing, being a confident person that whatever circumstances come in this world, that there is a way that you can live with peace, that you can live with confidence. And it is this, that you are deeply loved, that God knows everything about you, and he deeply loves and cares about you, and you can have eternal peace with him. But also know this, leave here knowing that you have a purpose to be a peacemaker, to be spreading peace. And Jesus concludes this part of his narrative, his, this part of his life, by saying that we are to receive the Holy Spirit. And that is present day peace. But you must be aware in your life that there will always be a part of your life that says, I know best. I know how to resolve this. I'll take charge. I'll assert myself. And the Spirit says, set your mind on things above. Set your heart on Christ. There is a way to live, a way to live day to day that will bring peace into your life. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, I pray this morning that the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal peace would break through into our hearts. Father, I pray that that anyone here this morning that does not yet know your son Jesus would receive the gift of salvation through faith. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit this morning would awaken us to the purpose you've given us all. Father, we confess that we need you. We confess that we are leaving this property in a few minutes and we're all going different directions. And the temptation to be reactionary, to be ultra busy, nonstop. I pray that you'd help us quiet our hearts and to enjoy your presence this morning. That we can enter into the Holy of Holies because of what you've done on the cross. Father, quiet our hearts to receive the peace you have for us. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.